Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from pewterreport.com. Extremely excited to be joined today by ESPN's Mike Clay on the show. Mike is going to talk to us about a lot of different stuff. Most of you know him as a fantasy football guru, but he's so much more than that. He's going to talk to us about the Bucks' strength of schedule and why this team has such a favorable strength of schedule this season. He's going to talk to us about the outlook for the Bucks' skill position players production-wise, fantasy-wise for sure, but even defensively. He's going to ask him some questions about that. State of the NFC and why he recently picked the Bucks to repeat as Super Bowl champions on an ESPN roundtable discussion that they published over at ESPN.com. Some really good stuff coming up with Mike on the show. We're excited about that. Obviously, it's been a great week on the Pewter Report podcast, and uh, we are we are excited for a great summer. We'll have more plans and more announcements about that in the coming weeks and some of the things we're going to be doing, but we couldn't be more excited to be bringing you all, uh, continue to bring you all uh, some some of the best content out there on the Bucks, And of course, it's all sponsored and brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. Got the strawberry guava, the healthy energy. We're accelerating the metabolism. Somehow it tastes this good and there's zero sugar. Feels like a cheat code. Honestly, probably is a cheat code. If you don't know about Celsius, it's the best energy drink out there. It's going to change the game, change my morning workouts. I am not somebody who sleeps a whole lot, and Celsius really helps me push through the day, and it doesn't. I don't have the drop-off with you get with other energy drinks. I love it. Check it out. Tons of flavors. They all taste good. They do it without sugar somehow. These scientists are absolute whizzes. I don't know how they do it, but they're amazing. Uh, so check out Celsius.com, and you can find the store locator, figure out where they are around you. Uh, and on top of that, you can also be able to order them through Amazon.com as well. Celsius increasingly available everywhere around you. So like I said, extremely excited about today's show as I transition to bringing in our guest here on the show. Mike, how are you, man? Can you hear me okay? Hey, you got me? Yeah, I got you. All right. I was having some audio and video issues there. I think I'm set now. I think I'm good. So, uh, uh, No worries at all. I all appreciate right, so you I coming on with us today. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I caught some of the intro there. I appreciate uh, you uh, bringing me in and for the kind words. So, uh, and, and look, I do shows like this all the time, and sometimes the teams that talk about are good. Sometimes the teams are not good, and it's always fun to do the ones with the teams that are good. In fact, actually, a few years ago, I remember – uh, Bucks Nation was not happy with me. So I did a few of these shows. I can't remember if it was Peter Report. And you guys were hard on me because uh, I was low on the Bucks and they were a hyped up team that year. Uh, and it, that did not work out. They didn't actually have that was one one of the few that I got right, I guess. So um, but last year I was high on Tampa Bay, super high on them, I had them as a top five team, thought they were a contender right away. Wow. That was not necessarily a popular opinion, even with Tom Brady there. I think people were forgetting about how good that defense was, even going into the year. Uh, and, and obviously that worked out. So no surprise, of course, that I'm high on the Bucks again. Uh, right. Here I was, yeah, that's well, that's exciting to hear you were high on them again last year, too. I'd forgotten about that. But now that you're saying that, I remember I read your projections last year for just fantasy production and things like that and was just kind of getting an idea of what you were anticipating for the group. And I remember seeing like, oh, yeah, Mike thinks they're going to do really, really well. Typically, if the offense is producing like this, the the team is probably going to be winning, you hope, or trailing hugely maybe in every game and throwing the ball a ton. But it's interesting to look at it now this year, and it's almost like, well, if you were high on them last year and they won the Super Bowl, how can you not be again, right? Because they bring everybody back. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you nailed it on the head. They brought everybody back. It's the, it's the same team as last year. It's really amazing, actually, that they pulled that off. I mean, it's it's hard enough to do that. And then they did it with a lot of key free agents, right? There were a lot of guys that we expected to move on. 
Um, and uh, yeah, obviously we're still figuring out Antonio Brown, but if they bring him back and fill out that trio wide receiver, it's pretty much the whole crew from the second half of the season. So um, yeah, I mean, look, if you're, if you're anti-Bucks, I mean, good luck making a case. I, I mean, I just, I don't get it. They're just loaded and all these guys are back who were so good last season. Uh, you know, the concern last season going in, I guess there were some minor ones. Like I was higher on the offensive line than most people. That ended up being a competent unit. A lot of a lot of the criticism of me with being high on Tampa was that the o, the O line's terrible. You know, it is in social media. The O line's terrible. It's just not going to work out. It's mm-hmm. going to crush him. Brady's going to get sacked a lot, and that it, it's nonsense. It's Tom Brady. You know, it's, it sacks our quarterback stat. He was able to avoid a lot of that pressure, and mm-hmm. uh, the line played up to to the ability I thought they could. Um, and also was it was you know will the young defense be better you know well the young players they had that really core of high pedigree players from the the first second third round from the past few years would they make the leap um and i thought they would because i thought in the second half of the of the 2019 season we already saw that we already saw the secondary play better we saw these guys start to improve and there was just so much raw talent and if you chase raw talent uh on paper in the offseason you're going to have success whether you're betting or just in an office pool just picking teams trying to find breakout teams if you just look at rosters examine all 32 which i do mm-hmm. every unit every team every year just do that just forget about the team name do the pepsi challenge as i wrote about in my my browns article uh, a couple days ago forget about the logo forget about the team forget about the history just focus on the players on the roster right now you do that you're gonna you're gonna be able to uh, find over and under achieving teams it's so interesting. You uh, have talked about kind of this production level with the Bucs players that you saw coming, even on the defensive side, saw those improvements coming, you know, and, and now you enter a year in which, uh, you know, again, it's like you look across the NFC, Mike, and you just don't see like where, you know, it, it's not the same as the AFC even this year where you see a couple teams that you know, oh, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me at all to see Kansas City or Buffalo. And even some people would say Cleveland. Again, maybe the helmet would throw people off the uniform if they saw them in the Super Bowl, but certainly not the talent of the group. That could, shouldn't, you know, Baltimore. You look in the NFC, does it not become a little bit trickier in your eyes to figure out who's going to be the top team out of that conference if it's not Tampa Bay? Yeah, exactly. And I guess I didn't finish my point there, but it's that, you know, if you're fading Tampa Bay this year, it's because you think they're going to have injuries and they're going to kind of fall apart and they can't repeat. And it is hard to do 32 straight games or now almost 40 straight games of playing at a high level. It is hard to do. We saw that with the Chiefs, right? They couldn't finish it off uh, last year. And it's very hard to repeat in the NFL. So that's pretty much your your only defense because this team is probably the best on the paper, but uh, best in the league on paper. But you're right. Uh, you know, there's question marks with Green Bay right now. The betting market is kind of in the middle on them, almost like a a nine and eight team because we don't know the future of uh, Aaron Rodgers. That is a very good team that they will be a contender for sure. Uh, we expect the saints within the division to take a step back without Drew Brees. I think that's kind of common sense. They also lost some, some other players because they really went all in on the short term, right? They just went in all in on, on veterans and let's load this roster up and with Drew Brees and make some title runs. And they, they had success doing that. They, they didn't win a super bowl, but they were uh, one of the best teams in the league the past few years, but that's going to start to catch up with them a little bit. Um, Atlanta, I think will be a little bit better, but not a real contender to Tampa Bay on paper right now. Panthers, I'm not, I, I still think they're a couple years away. And then you really get into the NFC West, right? Seattle, Arizona, the Rams and the 49ers all could be contenders for a playoff spot, but I think they're going to beat up on, on each other a little bit, which should help uh, Tampa Bay in their quest to win that number one seed in the NFC, which is, which is so important. They didn't need it last year, but uh, obviously the odds to, of getting the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl are higher uh, if you get that one seed. And, and we'll see in the NFC East, you know, Dallas, it'll depend on their defense. Washington, I think it's pretty good. You know, I think Washington is a good team. Yeah. Um, very, very good defensively. It'll all come down to which Ryan Fitzpatrick we get. He's been pretty good the past couple of years. But, you know, if he if he plays at a high level like he has mm-hmm. the past couple of years, they could be a, a good team. But, again, every team I just went through, I just went through pretty much all the contenders. They're legit contenders. Maybe Minnesota you could throw in there. Mm-hmm. Uh they're not, they just don't stack up on both sides of the ball the way the Buccaneers do. They are just loaded like they were last season. Again, the young players got a little better. So this team is is even better shape. They're in, yeah. in even better shape than they were last year. Now you've been doing this a long time with this fantasy football projections and looking at rosters and, and grading them and projecting out what they're going to do in the upcoming season. And you obviously have the context of the situation every time you do this. What were the moving variables? What changed? Did the coach change? Did the scheme change? Did the quarterbacks change? Did the wide receivers around the quarterback change? Did the O-line get better? Will that affect the running back? Is it Was it like kind of like easy to do? Have you seen in all your years doing this a team like Tampa Bay? Do you recall one that you kind of went in, you had your fantasy projections from last year, 
Then this year was like, oh, okay, everything is – I mean, the whole <laughs> offense is the same except for the addition of Giovanni Bernard, essentially. Everything else is the same. And so was it – do you remember a situation like this, I guess? I know we've said the starters, you know, they didn't all come back to a Super Bowl contender ever before. Can you remember projecting out a situation like this that was so similar to the one the year before? Not not this similar. No way. I mean, there's always teams that, you know, keep their most of their core together. It could be anyone. I mean, it could be an average team. It could be, a, you know, usually it's not a bad team because they're changing coaching, coaching staffs and personnel. But, uh, you know, this for example, I mentioned the Saints. They've kind of had the, a very similar roster the past couple of years, uh, but not quite like this. Right. In fact, it'd be kind of funny to look at. I should I should compare the projections for last year. Tampa Bay team, you know, going into the season against right now, because you're going to see right. pretty much all the same names, you know, aside of the the rookies. And you mentioned Gio Bernard with a, a probably a small passing down role, but um, you know, it's, it's certainly going to have a lot of similarity. So that makes it easy for me because uh, as you know, the turnover in this league is crazy. I mean, you just look at some of the star players in the NFL two years ago or three years ago, and you're going to be like, I cannot believe it. I, you know, I yeah. can't believe it that that player that that was only three years ago. You know, like, it's unbelievable how this league changes so constantly. Yes. The rosters are changing. The injection of rookies, even undrafted rookies, uh, it's it's unbelievable. So to have a to be looking at a Buccaneers lineup that looks almost exactly the same as the team from last year, it's it's almost mm -hmm. unheard of. Now, I'm curious about how you handle this part of it, not just in terms of Tom Brady, but specifically for our purposes, obviously Tom Brady. How do you handle players that get older, you know, that are obviously a play at a high level or expected to produce, at, you know, a peak if everything's great around them? But there also is this reality that as much as we will joke about it, we'll say Brady will play till he's 50, we'll act like, you know, it's never going to, but reality is reality. At some point, you know, Brady's going to not be the quarterback that he even was last year. And last year was an unbelievable performance, especially when you consider context of the situation and degree of difficulty of the offense. Yeah, that's totally fair. But here's the thing. If you watch a player go through a whole season playing at a high level, I'm not going to go into week one, what, six months later and, or whatever it is, eight months later yeah. and knock their efficiency significantly, right? Like we, we, you see it sometimes, right? Peyton Manning's last year, his efficiency dropped off. He wasn't as productive. That defense really helped them, you know, on their way to winning a Super Bowl. Um, but I don't see any reason to do that with Tom Brady. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, okay, he completed 65% of his passes, so I'm going to make him 64. You know, what's that going to do to his stats? It's not, mm -hmm. not going to do anything super substantial. Um, you know, the reason, remember, his last season in New England was probably his worst season in the NFL, right, at least yeah. once he was established. Uh, and yet I was high on him last year. And, and the reason for that was he did not have a good supporting cast that last year or so in, in uh, New England. He has a great one in Tampa Bay. He did last year and he does again this year. And that's going to help him. It takes things off his shoulders. He's not going to get beat up by scrambling a lot. He's going to drop back, avoid sacks, throw the ball, get it into the hands of Evans and Godwin and Brown. I'll have OJ Howard back, who was actually a nice asset early the first couple of weeks last season before he went down, uh, actually outplaying and outperforming uh, Rob Gronkowski out of the gate. So he's a, there's a lot of mouths to feed here. That's a good problem for good problem for Tom Brady to have um, and it's going to take some pressure off him he does not have to do it all uh, with this this support group and also with a very very good defense as well yeah I would encourage everybody if you haven't done it yet go over to at Mike Clay NFL on Twitter and check out his PDF of kind of his the clay projections of production for all teams in the league if you play fantasy football unbelievable stuff and just if you're like me and you're just a nerd and you want to see oh man how many touchdowns does he think brady will have this year oh 36 all right i mean i think that makes sense you know and want to look at some of that stuff and anticipate how mike kind of foresees things because this is what he does man he's you are a prognosticator you know it says that on your twitter and like i appreciate that because it's hard to be forward thinking like that as i look at some of these numbers a couple jump out of me that i'll throw out of you here and, and this would have been possible maybe if Chris Godwin and Mike Evans had been healthy all last year. You have the Bucs with a pair of 1,000-yard receivers and Mike Evans mm -hmm. at 1,100 yards and Chris Godwin just over 1,000. And then you have Antonio Brown at 800 yards. Uh, I guess – I know this is off the top of your head probably, but how often does that happen where you got three 800-plus wideouts? Not the tight end, but three 800-plus wideouts, and why do you feel like – so it's a huge chunk, chunk of the production will go there. And obviously you have Gronkowski with a little over 500 yards, but you feel like a huge chunk of this is going to go to the wideouts. No question about it. Um, this is not unheard of by any means. We've seen Pittsburgh do this multiple times. Uh, you mentioned fantasy last year. There were, there were two teams actually that had three top 35 fantasy receivers. The Steelers were one and, 
And again, this one kind of is going to help my point is a team you would not have thought of. It's the Panthers, believe it or not. A team that was not happy with their quarterback situation, traded assets for Sam Darnold, has been one of the worst in the league the past couple of years, and got rid of their quarterback from last year. He supported three highly statistical, productive wide receivers last year with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel. So if they can do it, the Buccaneers can certainly do it with a quarterback that, you know, an offense that throws a lot, an offense that gets vertical. That's another reason I like Brady last season. Super conservative in New England. We know Bruce Arians. We know Byron Leftwich. They go vertical. It's a vertical offense. It's been at multiple stops with multiple quarterbacks with Arians. We knew that was going to happen. And sure enough, Brady's uh, average depth of throw increased a lot last season. So he's not going to scramble. It's going to lead to a lot of dropbacks, a lot of pass attempts, and that's going to maximize guys like Evans, Godwin, and Brown. Now, could they kind of – you know, hurt each other a little bit in the the fantasy landscape, or if you're betting on on receiving yardage totals, absolutely. You know, I'm a little nervous about that. We saw that in their production when they were all together last season. You know, the ceiling comes down for pretty much all of them. Um, but at the same time, it's such a high volume, high scoring offense that they'll all be happy. I think in this scheme, I think the only question is sorting through tight end, right? Because you yes. know, did did Gronk start slow because he was just getting back in the in the mole in in the fold? Remember he you know, infamously, infamously said he was just back to be a blocker. He wasn't going to be involved as a pass catcher. Once Howard went down, that changed, obviously. Would, yeah. would that have changed regardless? You know, I don't know. So in terms of projecting out the targets, the only struggle I've really had is figuring out Gronk and Howard, you know, how to, uh, you know, figure out which of those guys is going to take the lead as the pass catcher. Yeah, that's a good point because, man, Brady, I mean, in training camp, I remember everybody was expecting, what's Brady and Evans going to look like? What's Brady and Godwin going to look like? You know, mm -hmm. And it was really, not that it was bad with those guys, but everybody was kind of blown away by Brady and O.J. Howard. You know, They were just, man, that connection mm -hmm. looks great, and Brady would just rave about O.J. Howard. And maybe part of that's because O.J. Howard, confidence-wise, needed that boost coming off the year that he had. He struggled to pick up the offense in 2019. He got hurt a couple times. Wasn't, you know, toward the end of the year, he started looking better again, and Remember 2018, we thought he was going to be, he was, that was it. We thought OJ Howard was going to be the next big guy across the league. And then, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. You're, that, you're exactly right. I was super high in Howard. He burned me in fantasy for sure. You know, there's always those guys we talk up all the off season long and people draft them on our advice and uh, it doesn't work out. And, and uh, <laughs> that never feels good. I feel terrible when that Did happens. Did you ever get yelled at? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, all the time. Oh, you know it. Um, so that, that stings for sure. But, um, man, his, his efficiency out of the gate, if you look at yards per target and, and efficiency stats that align with future success, he was uh, he was checking all the boxes. He looked like the real deal. So there's still hope, right? I think if he had not got injured last year, he would have had a really good year. Who knows what that would have meant for Gronk or even Cameron Bray, but uh, he was certainly positioned for a breakout season. And I thought he looked good. And so not giving up hope just yet yeah. on uh, O.J. Well, Howard. Uh, listen, Mike, it's great to have somebody around that believes in O.J. Howard still. I take some flack from Bucks fans, and I love him to death, but I take some flack from him because I still say, I'm telling you, he's gonna break. if he stays healthy, mm -hmm. he's going to be a stud. The, the question is obviously health, and I, neither you nor I can tell, let's say what's going to happen in that regard. Uh, that's you know, a lot of it's luck-based. But, yeah, I agree with you that if he's able to be out on the field, I think the connection there is dynamic. It's interesting with Gronkowski, too, because – you know, coming to Tampa Bay, I think most people thought, okay, well, what's it going to look like with Mike Evans, big outside receiver? Not really had somebody like this since like the Randy Moss type of, you know, mm -hmm. that's a new thing, maybe a little bit. But Gronk, everybody thought that was going to be great. And, but that was the one that really started slow. And then even as the year went on, and Gronk, the numbers obviously got better and he played great. There were a number of times, if you watch the tape, and I talked about this on Locker Room last night, and you know, but there are a number of times on tape, Mike, where you watch the Bucks games last season, and I can think of the, the second Panthers game. He's open for a touchdown. Brady missed him. The Denver game, he's open for a touchdown. Back on the end zone, Brady misses him. The Saints game in the playoffs, Brady missed him for a touchdown. The second Saints game in the regular season, big vertical ball on fourth down, and Brady missed him. They were already down a bunch, but Brady missed him a little bit. Brady didn't miss many deep. But when he did, it felt like it was Gronk, and it felt like it was a legitimate open opportunity. Do you go and look at the tape and see some of that and think, man, maybe there's a little bit of luck here, and they could kind of come back to some of this. I mean, already they were Gronk was what highest tight end in the league in terms of deep yards and deep targets, mm -hmm. I think last year. But you know, do you look at some of that and say, oh, maybe this could be a chance for Gronk to bump a little bit? No, no question about it. You know, I uh, have stats, uh, opportunity adjusted touchdowns, uh, and that's something I've been working on and tweaking and uh, pushing for a long time. You know, you hear a lot about red zone stats and red zone usage, and it's kind of misleading because like a slant at the 19 yard line is treated the same as a, a carry from the one yard line or the one inch line. It's not the same thing when in terms of uh, projecting out touchdown. So I use opportunity as well. And there's no question if you miss 
uh, you've say you have nine end zone targets and catch two. That doesn't mean you're bad at catching end zone targets. It means you were unlucky. You know, these guys are in the NFL there. Some are better than others, but I mean, if you're at that level and you're open and someone mm-hmm. throws you a pass uh, into the confines of the end zone, you know, you're pretty much going to catch it if it's on target. Right. So right. all the opportunities there, you know, we can kind of project opportunity forward uh, based on coaching schemes and way, the way players are utilized and uh, the type of quarterback, you know, whether it's a Jameis Winston who, going to push it downfield or, uh, you know, Alex Smith, who's conservative, all these things kind of come together uh, and you mix that opportunity with a, with some efficiency, of course, some players are better than others. And you could come away with uh, with projections in that department. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's all about volume. Right. So that's the trick with with tight end. You know, does, is Gronk going to lose what little usage he had? I mean, he did. You're right. He, he got a lot of his work was, you know, down the seam, vertical work mm-hmm. and, and near the goal line. Um, but the targets were very low. As I, you know, people remember the Super Bowl, but before that, he was lucky to get three targets in a game, right? So, um, you know, it's it's tricky to to figure out for sure with a guy like Howard there, who again was seeing more targets and outproducing him in the first two or three weeks last season. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll transition to strength of schedule in a second, but stack up this backfield for me. I mean, Arians is maddening for you, isn't mm. he? Like the, with the way he uses running backs. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tricky because. I, I like Ronald Jones. You know, I want them to, I want them to trade Ronald Jones. You know, <laughs> selfishly to put him on the Jets so he can be a lead back. You know, I think he's good. Um, you know, there's still that kind of a bad stigma because of what he did as a rookie. But mm. these some some of these guys come into the league really really young, and it takes a little time for them to get going. He's still a very young running back, and he's been very effective since his second season in the league, especially as a rusher. So I actually do have Rojo. Uh, leading this team in carries by 16 over Leonard Fournette. I think that would be the smart move by them. And I think it aligns pretty much with what they did when they were both healthy together last season. Uh, Fournette more involved as a pass catcher, no question. But I actually have Jones third among the running backs and targets with Gio Bernard and and Leonard Fournette handling a lot of that. So uh, from a fantasy perspective, Bernard being there is going to be annoying if you have Jones or Fournette in your lineup. And it really brings the floor and ceiling down for all three or well for the big two, if you will. Um, But it's, it, you know, it's, it's hard to get too excited about any of these guys from a fantasy perspective just because they're all going to be involved. It's much like uh, what we saw in New England, right? They, those guys often didn't have a very high ceiling because so many of them were used. So uh, it's a good situation for Tampa Bay, not necessarily a good one if you're uh, hoping for big stats from your running backs. I was going to say, I look at your projected targets and receptions, and I see Leonard Fournette with a lot with, with more re- receptions and targets, obviously, than Giovanni Bernard. How did you weigh that? Because Bernard coming in, obviously, that was a player that Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians was on our podcast Tuesday, and he told us, you know, he didn't even necessarily, obviously, they didn't know Bernard was going to become available. Once he was out there, that was when they were like, oh, we, we might have to look into this guy because he's that good. Mm-hmm. Now he comes in and put, people kind of expect him to take some of the receiving load, but you still think even though Rojo may lead the way in rushing, Fournette would still lead the way in receiving for the backs. Yeah, I think so. Remember what he said about Fournette last year, right? That he thought he was their best pass blocking back and a good pass yeah. blocking back. And, and that's why they wanted, that was part of why they wanted to bring him in. So I don't think now they think he's trash in that department. <laughs> he's just going <laughs> to chill on the sideline every time they throw. I don't expect that to be the case. But look, I still think he's there. You know, if you said, if you had to do 1A, 1B, 1C, you're going Fournette Jones, Bernard, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's probably the the order you would put them in. Um, based on how they prioritize them, especially in the playoffs last season. So Fournette, I still think, will be involved as a pass catcher. I don't think 39 catches is a, a crazy number for him at all. Now, where Bernard, I think, will really shine is obvious passing situations, right? Like, so maybe it's, you know, third and seven, eight, nine. That's where he'll come in occasionally. But they still throw in early downs. And when they throw in early downs, um, you know, Fournette is going to be involved. He's going to be on the field for a lot of snaps, and he's going to be able to soak up some of them dump-offs and, and certainly the occasional target. This is a team I have attempting 656 passes, so there's plenty of volume for these guys. And as you can see here, I have them projected for 111 targets as a team. So they're all pretty low. You know, this is a team that's going to – and we saw this last year once Antonio Brown was there. They're going to feed the ball to the wide receiver position especially. They're going to have a lot of tight end targets as well. And that's going to bring down the the, uh, running back target share. But at the same time, with such a high-volume, pass-heavy offense here, productive offense – I think there's enough for these guys to be involved in. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. I, I, you know, maybe I am too low on Bernard. Maybe his number's higher and Fournette's lower. But if you believe that, you need to get far away from Fournette and fantasy. I mean, don't yes. even bother with him. If you if you don't think he can get to 40 catches and 170 carries, I mean, I, I have him at 163 and once 163 carries, 51 targets, and he's RB29. 
and yeah. points because of the their involvement of Jones and Bernard. So, um, you know, sorry to the Bucks fans who don't care about fantasy, but you know, I'm, no, I'm I think together, but I think it's an interesting dynamic there for sure. Oh, for sure. I, I would never say you're wrong. I, I don't know for sure. The one thing I will say is yes, they hope Leonard Fournette would help them in pass protection last year. And he decidedly did not. He was, he was very weak in that area. Did not stop them at all from trusting him yeah. to do it because everybody else is terrible too. Ronald Jones is a very poor pass protector mm-hmm. and he's an even worse receiver than Leonard Fournette. So they were obviously, you were aware of the receiving stuff. Both of them had the drops issues. Rojo couldn't run a simple route or get his head around to catch the football. It was a mess with him. It was a little bit better with Fournette still not, you know, what Bernard could bring to the table. He'll be a decided step in the right direction in terms of receiving and in terms of pass protection consistently over his career. But you're right. They do like Fournette a lot. They brought him back. They've sung his praises. They, uh, you know, he is going to work his tail off to be ready. Rojo will too. But at this point, I really, I wonder if we've seen the ceiling with what Rojo is as a receiver. I just don't know. His issues for three years now. It's like confidence in knowing what to, to, to focus, you know, knowing what to, it's that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you've said, he's the more talented, he's the most talented pure runner on the team. If you ask me who I want to run the football for this team, it's definitely Ronald Jones, exactly what you said. But at the get, I think what scares the Bucks about him is not talent, it's the folk, you know, can we count on him? Can, mm-hmm. Is he reliable? You know what I mean? Uh, they felt like Fournette was the more reliable guy in the playoffs and they didn't want somebody just screwed up necessarily. So that's how they saw it. So maybe that's how it shakes out. But dude, your guess is as good as mine is what Arians is going to do with the backfield. We know this full well. He draws the ire of fantasy football people everywhere every year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. We'll see. And and one more thing on Jones. Just keep in mind, he is seven months older than uh, Najee Harris, who was just drafted by the Steelers. Just, you know, there's still uh, – Yep. This guy could still improve. Who knows? Maybe he becomes a competent pass catcher. I mean, you think about some guys like Mark Ingram, who wasn't very good in that department right away mm-hmm. when he came to the NFL's first round pick. Chris Carson was a late round pick, but you know, he again, he's a guy who just progressively got better as a pass catcher and became a factor there too. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know that we've seen the ceiling of Ronald Jones. I okay. hope not, because uh, he is a very, very good rusher, and uh, if he could just get up into the even the forty catch range, you know, he could yes. really be a valuable running back. Yeah, he really could be. You're right. And I hope like you're exactly right about the receiving because he is, like I said, the most talented dude with the ball in his hands. It's just a matter of getting it there. That's been kind of the adventure for them. I'm I'm sorry that I'm breaking up there a little bit. They're doing construction literally right outside my house. They've not done it at all. I live in a new community and so they're building houses. This lot next to me has been empty. I kid you not until today mike so that's the that's where we're at right now with all this perfect timing that's right (laughs) but strength of schedule you have the box you do strength of schedule a little bit differently first of all so if you could talk a little bit about how you do strength of schedule uh and how you come up with your list of of teams in terms of strength of schedule and why you believe the bucks have the best uh, strength of schedule in the league yeah so people that follow me know that i do the unit grades year-round i'm pretty much always updating everything projections unit grades are almost available year-round because what's the right time to start? Might as well start right after the season ends and just start, you know, always be ready, always have a system in place and then constantly keep things updated. I think that's the best way to have a good feel for the NFL. So I'm constantly doing that, uh, constantly adjusting. Uh, I, you could call them power rankings for the NFL, you know, for the team, you know, how, how good a team is one to 32 uh, based on, you know, if they make a big signing at corner, get a little better there. Everything's always kind of maneuvering around. Uh, so I constantly keep this, this core group of unit grades. And, and then I factor in uh, team trends, league trends, coaching trends, that kind of thing. And then I have my uh, my de facto power rankings for the NFL. So that's what I use. It's based on current rosters, current team, moving forward, not last year's records, none of that nonsense, all about moving forward, what the team is right now. Uh, and the, the Bucks are a great example of that, right? Did you, when you were considering strength to schedule this time last year, were you treating the Bucks as an opponent as a 500 team? Yeah, they were in 2019, or were you treating them like a top five team, like you should have been mm-hmm. when they got Tom Brady and, and made the other improvements last offseason? Same thing with the opposite, New England. Were you treating New England like a, a playoff team, a Super Bowl contender, or a 500 team or below with uh, with an Omar Tom Brady? So that's why I always uh, adjust things that way, and I think it's it's been a you know very successful uh, way of doing things. So yes. um, for me, you know, when I ran through everything and sorted it out this year. Uh, the Buccaneers came out with the easiest schedule. I was a little surprised by it. Um, it is a trend for Tom Brady because part of it's because his teams are always so very good. And anybody, you know, 
a, a huge chunk of the rest of the league has to play against, you know, mm-hmm. these, these good teams like a Tampa Bay, which hurts their strength of schedule. Um, and if every team is worse than Tampa Bay, it obviously helps there. So mm-hmm. that's a slight factor. But at the same time, you look across the schedule and you're not overly intimidated by it. So I do think that they have the easiest schedule and I actually have uh, the Falcons second uh, on this list. So it is a little bit of a trend with the division, not necessarily just the Buccaneers, you know, so that it helps the helps the Buccaneers or it helps the Falcons and the Buccaneers. Uh, the Saints getting worse is a reason for that. And also, um, I think some people saw the Panthers overachieve last year and think they'll take another step forward. Everybody, fans of 29 out of 32 teams think they're going to get better because of X, Y, and Z, right? There's always variables. We got this guy in the draft, or it's year two in the system, or you, you can go on and on. This, they were really hurt last year. Every team's going to be better, right? That's We go through this every year. Every team's better. Uh, it's not necessarily, over the, necessarily the case, which is why it's right. so important to just focus on roster talent. So I actually don't think the Panthers make much of a leap this season. So the, the division might be a little easier for Tampa Bay, and that's uh, part of the reason why I really like their slate this year. Yeah, I think that I think that you're right about the division. Uh, it, I know people expect yeah everybody to like you said get better, and they look at that division and they're like, oh, even the Saints, they're like, oh, Drew Brees wasn't that bad. Now they have a guy that can throw the ball down the field. There's a lot more to it than that than yeah. just that for sure. So I, heard, I certainly hope nobody thinks the Saints got better a quarterback in the offseason. I hope that's not an opinion, but I've seen it also. Uh, it's very possible. It's it's very possible. I had, someone the other day on social media was just grilling me about how insane I am to think that Patrick Mahomes would have been good in, in Cleveland. Like the, he just thought like, like I lose all credibility. I'm a terrible analyst because I thought Patrick Mahomes wow. would be fine in Cleveland. Like, you know, do better than Baker Mayfield. Like right. the situation was that bad that even Mahomes would be terrible. Like it's just, it's just mind blowing. Like Patrick yeah. Mahomes is a system quarterback. Come on. Right. Come on. <laughs> Come on. At some point we've got to move past that very linear thinking and think a little bit outside the box. No, but I completely agree with you on that and agree with you on the box too. You know, I think it's interesting when you look out, at that, when you evaluate strength of schedule the way that you do, and obviously it requires you being kind of up to knowledge on all of these teams, but there's less room for error, right? Like if if a unit grade is is a little bit off, you know that okay, his team still could, you know, basically do what you kind of anticipated them doing. But if uh, if they're like the Cowboys, for example, and you get Dak Prescott, Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins back, yep. that changes your whole projection, and to last year's record doesn't take that into account. No question about it. That's why it's so important. And and you could flip it the other way around. You could say, uh, okay, Mike, you thought the Dolphins were going to be bad last year, still rebuilding, and they were okay, right? They were a 10-win team, you know, and that's not going to have a huge gap, right? We're going from bottom of the barrel to middle. Maybe the 49ers are a better better example of a team we thought would be really good last year and had all those injuries and ended up being a, an easier opponent, if we're being honest. So um, that's part of the game. It, it is, and they're never going to be perfect. We can't predict everything. I can't tell you which team's going to be overwhelmed with injuries and maybe the Buccaneers are that team, right? Maybe they can't do it again. Maybe these, all these veterans just can't hold up for another year and they have an injury here or there and they ended up being an average team. It's possible. We see this happen every single year. That being said, you want to soak up as much information as you can to make the best possible decision. So just being like, well, why even bother? I'm just going to use 20, 20 records to decide this. Well, that's worse. I mean, that's just history shows that by doing that, it's just a complete toss up. You're completely wasting your time. Uh, using 2020, the previous season's records to predict strength of schedule is a complete wash. There's just no right. predictive, predict, predictive element to that whatsoever. So I think this way is better. And, uh, you know, to your point, you know, you kind of alluded to this, you know, generally, even if a team is off a little bit, you're going to be in the same vicinity, right? It's mm-hmm. unlikely that the Bucks are going to come out of next season with a very hard schedule, right? It's pr- right. They're probably going to have a a top 10 schedule or maybe a top five schedule. They'll be in that vicinity. And that I think is the most important information that comes out of this. Not that they're definitely going to have the easiest one, but that it should be a, a pleasant schedule for them. Right. Absolutely. It's great stuff. And we appreciate the perspective, man, the perspective on these kind of things that other people aren't getting. That's what I like about your work. It's original. It's yours. You've owned it. You've taken it. You've shaped it to what you've studied over years of doing this. That's worked. Not everybody does that. A lot of people just appeal to kind of common thought and they repost those, but your stuff's original and creative and it's yours and you own it. And we appreciate you taking the time, uh, Mike, to join us on the show and, and share a little bit of that knowledge. Yeah, happy to come on. It's always fun to talk about uh, any team, honestly, and, and nerd out on these, you know, going deep on rosters. But especially when, like I said at the beginning, especially when it's a good team, right? And we could talk all positivity throughout the whole show. Yeah, exactly right. I know that that it does add to it for sure. And I always like, like, man, the Bucks fans going to think I'm just bringing on people to blow smoke? No, I mean, I'm genuinely bringing on people that I respect and think their opinions are informed. And I'm just, you know, for Bucks fans, Mike, it's 
I come from Pittsburgh. Like that's where I covered the Pittsburgh Steelers for years. And it was kind of like they expected every year to be good for Bucks fans. This is new territory and they are just soaking up every drop of this off season. And I'm loving watching them. And I, I appreciate you giving us some time to, to continue to encourage them in their belief that this team really could repeat this year. Hey, you got it anytime. Uh, happy to talk, uh, <laughs> happy to talk Bucks right now, especially after uh, what they've done the past year or so. It's been a, it's been a fun right. ride for them. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate it, man. Take care of yourself. There goes uh, Mike Clay, ladies and gentlemen, from ESPN. Awesome stuff with Mike, man. I I love the fact that there's this creative element to what he does where he is not just following a process that everybody else has put in place, but he's thinking, how can I do this better? You know, people like that are the people that kind of I track to in this in this business and um, I think give the best analysis. So appreciate what he brings to the table. Speaking of people who think outside of the box and bring something new to the table, want to make sure that we're letting you all know about Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 2,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. The stock market for sports is just a tap away, create a free account in seconds and start profiting from your sports knowledge with Symbol. Great stuff uh, from Symbol. Make sure you check that out for sure. So Mike offered a lot there and I'm, I'm curious before I wrap up here, I just want to yeah, and, and Alien says, not, not, not a bad guess. Very interesting on fantasy. Yeah, some of it's fantasy, but honestly, it's not just the fantasy football perspective for him. It's also if these players achieve what Mike thinks they're achieving, this is where the Bucs probably get to as an offense. Like These numbers are just a byproduct of what's a successful offense, and a successful offense typically at least means a lot of wins, um, if not you know Super Bowl championships. So I kind of take what he says and then extrapolate it from the team per- to the team perspective, and I say – this is really useful information to me because it tells me that he believes Mike Evans and Chris Godwin can have synergy with Tom Brady while Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski are here. And it can all work. The elements can work. He's seen, he's been doing this for 20 years or so. Like he's seen it work. He knows how it works. Um, and he can project out that this type of situation, how that, how that translates to production on the field. Um, so I love that part of, of what he brings to the table for sure. Flash Gordon, you came in late. You can always rewatch. I know the 1 p.m. time slot threw some people off today. We'll love to get Mike in here on the show. That was the time that worked for him. We make it work with the guests, and we know y'all rewatch these shows. We love the fact that y'all do. We see the numbers, and we know uh, that that's a big appeal too. So if you didn't catch it all live, you can go back. Mike Clay had a ton of good things to say. He talked about how he builds strength of schedule and why the Bucs have the best. I think his way is not – the Bucs all have a strength of, good strength of schedule no matter what way you look at other ways for strength of schedule you you see uh, are going back and looking at last year's records even if you look at that the bucks are usually fourth i think uh, on strength of schedule list fourth best but mike's way to me is always the one i look at because i think it's more predictive for what they're going to look like this season and he has them as the best strength of schedule based on the evaluation of other teams rosters that they will play this season and i should have asked him if i had more time with him i would ask him about particularly about quarterbacks, you know, the quarterbacks that they face definitely, you know, not the highest caliber quarterbacks for most of the year early on in the year. Yeah. There's some challenges for sure, but uh, throughout a lot of the year, definitely not the toughest slate of quarterbacks. And so that probably affects some of the things that Mike's talking about in terms of being able to see how difficult the schedule is for the bucks. The fact, they don't play a lot of great quarterbacks uh, probably matters. I want to talk about the running back situation before I get out of here because he had interesting things to say. The wide receiver thing, I get where he's coming from completely. I think all three of those guys can be productive. I see why Gronk's numbers could drop off because I think they might use him as a blocker more, not because he isn't capable as a receiver. Um, and he's splitting that role with OJ Howard now, who is, I just think they really believe in OJ Howard. So I completely understand where he's coming from from that regard. But I want to talk about the running back situation because he sees. Giovanni Bernard as more of an insurance policy than a big guy in the rotation. And I'll have some thoughts on that here. But first, speaking of insurance, want to tell you about our good friends over at Briar Greaves. You don't stay in business for over 30 years if you aren't doing something right. What we love about Briar Greaves Insurance is that they do a lot of things right, but none more than giving exceptional personal service to your their insurance customers. We all need insurance, whether it's life, homeowners, auto, or even commercial insurance. 
Briar and Sam and their staff are the best in the area and big bucks fans. It will literally take you 10 minutes to get a quote or compare your current policy. And that 10 minutes could turn into hundreds of dollars in savings. Don't wait. Call Briar Greaves today at 813-876-4166. 813-876-4166. Find out how much money you can put back in your pocket. 30 years in the business. Bucket season ticket, buck season ticket holders. Call Briar or Sam today. Mark has saved money with them. Scott has saved money with them. Give them a call. Um, this is a process that we've actually seen in effect, and we've seen it uh, change the game for, for several of our own. So give Briar Greaves a call and then check them out today. Really good stuff from them uh, for sure. Okay, this running back room. You know, I, I tend to think that Giovanni Bernard's going to have a bigger role than Mike thinks. Um, I'm curious what people in the chat think about that. You know, he, again, if you're just joining, he kind of think he believes really that Leonard Fournette was his projections. I'll read them for people. 163 attempts, 671 yards rushing and six touchdowns. That's rushing that compare that to Rojo 179 attempts. So more attempts for Rojo 804 yards rushing about 130 more yards rushing and five touchdowns. So one less touchdown for Rojo. Then Giovanni Bernard on the ground, 28 carries, 112 yards, one touchdown. Oh, that's a pretty small role. I mean, I don't think Giovanni Bernard's going to light it up on the ground, but 112 yards, you know, that's that's uh, not much at all. Then uh, one touchdown on the ground. But receiving game, I thought that's where Bar- Bernard would see his bump. Not really so much according to Mike. He has 51 targets for Leonard Fournette, 25 for Rojo, and 32 for Giovanni Bernard. So he believes that Rojo is going to get a, the more production in the rush, rushing game, but is going to be the least productive receiver. And that Giovanni Bernard is kind of only going to be the second. And he's going to be 20 targets almost behind Leonard Fournette and 15 catches behind Leonard Fournette. He has him 15 catches behind Fournette's 39 catches. Uh, so he doesn't see a big role for Giovanni Bernard at all unless it's as a blocker, which obviously wouldn't play out on statistics. I'm curious what people in the chat think. Let me know how you think that's going to – I tend to think that Giovanni Bernard is going to have a bigger role because – Leonard Fournette, I just think I know they talked him up and he's right about what Bruce Arian says. And I know that's what he's going off of. And I completely get why I tend to think Giovanni Bernard is the guy that they wished Leonard was in the past game last year, but probably knew that he wasn't going to be, but still was their best option. I think there's a value in that that only grows as the year goes on, right? Like as the year went on, they were okay, best. What's the best thing we can get out here in the passing game that mattered to them. I think Bernard's role will get better, bigger and bigger as the year goes on. Um, but he's never going to be the every down guy. And if you're throwing on early downs, that will play a factor in what Fournette gets targeted. And let's hope the Bucs are throwing on early downs a lot of the time. Obviously, they're going to be throwing on third downs. Um, so Bernard will get his, his opportunities there. It feels like somebody has to get phased out. Like it can't quite be this clean. Uh, I think the most likely guy to get phased out would be Rojo. But I again, he's the most talented runner. So Depending on what Rojo shows up, he could also be the lead, the lead back, just like uh, just like Mike said. So uh, let's see what some people in the chat say here. Um, Haas, Haas Wajuke said, so much of Fournette's usage last year came from being used as a passing down back. I find it hard to believe that Bernard won't just eat up at least most of those snaps. Yeah, at least some of them. I, I kind of agree, honestly. Um, uh, I think that that's definitely a part of this evaluation. Ren thinks he's off a little bit in his running back projections. Who can blame him? Nailing a BA backfield is like trying to catch smoke. Absolutely, completely agree with you, Ren. Like we're gonna, you know, say all oh, this and that, but at the end of the day, like who the heck knows what BA is gonna do in the backfield? Um, Flash Gordon says he'll increase plat- pass protection and the screen game. Agreed. Very good. Very good in the screen game. Uh, very good timing and just kind of it's just consistent. He's just a consistent player. Jack has charted a lot of this stuff. He says, would love Bernard in third down and four-minute offense. Huge chunk of attempts come in that area. I agree with you on that. And that's why I think there's just no way to me, if you're the box and you're in a four-minute situation, you know, before half, if you're in a two-minute situation, end of the game, whatever, Bernard's going to be on the field every single snap, right? Like those are all his snaps. There's no way Leonard should be taking any of those snaps away from him. So there you have a huge role for him right there, you know, end of half, end of games. Um, if there's a close game or they need to score anything like that, he's the best pass protector by far proven over years. And while Fournette struggled mightily last year in that regard, and he's the, he's the best receiver on the team. He's the most reliable player in the past game on the team uh, out of the backfield. So to me, those are all his snaps and that plays a, a, a percentage a role in this too. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, Ren says his projections are relying heavily on a two to one, uh, 
two to one pass to run ratio. That's true. That might be accurate though. I'd have to look uh, again. Uh, Jack says he hates the idea of being too predictable based on what running back is in. Yes, that's uh, definitely something I think about too. And that's where I think they got away from Miles Jones. It was just like, we, we lose a down every time we throw when this guy's on the field. Like <laughs> the chance of something bad happening involves him is just too high. Uh, so that's, I think, uh, a way that they uh, see it. Uh, Darius kind of disagrees. Dar- Drojo needs to be the starting running back. He's run, he runs with intent and viciousness. Don't disagree with you, Darius. I uh, love what he brings to the table. There's no question about that. But at the end of the day, I also understand that you, you really you need to get your best player on the field, players you can count on that aren't going to screw it up for you. You know, this backfield doesn't have Christian McCaffrey. This backfield doesn't have Nick Chubb. You know, this backfield doesn't have Derrick Henry, anybody like that. Like they are trying to get the guy that screws it up the least, um, the best supporting player. They have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard, Tom Brady, a great offensive line, especially in pass protection. They're a passing team. Uh, you can't screw it up on passing downs if you're a back that's on the field. And I think that's why Rojo got phased out kind of the way that he did uh, on top of not being healthy and Leonard having some confidence. There was multiple things, but I just think they didn't want a guy who's going to screw it up the majority of the time on passing downs. And they felt like Leonard was less of a problem and they were right. But Giovanni Bernard's more of a solution than Leonard to me. And that's where I see the, them eventually moving toward more of him and, and maybe more of Leonard or maybe more of Rojo. And maybe it's Leonard that gets phased out. I think Bernard's role is the one that I see is kind of a little more set in stone than, than maybe Mike did. So, uh, but it is interesting. Lots of thoughts and and many ways to look at it. And like Ren said, who the heck knows with an Arians backfield, man? I mean, literally, it's it's just impossible to be able to say uh, for sure. I know this is the part in the show where everybody's been waiting for. I promised by the end of the week I would deliver it, and so here it is. I'm solo on the podcast, and I got to get through the Manscaped read, but I'm happy to do it uh, too because this is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. The new trimmer was released very recently. We're one of the first to actually get our hands on it and use it, and it is a game changer. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. The promo code pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R at manscaped.com gives you 20% off of Manscaped and and free shipping. It's a game-changing deal. And as much as we might laugh about the ad and some of the things that it says, I'm telling you, man, Manscaped products are an absolute game-changer. They are such good stuff, so well-made. The performance is unbelievable. The craftsmanship and the detail, their advanced ceramic blade and the skin-safe technology so good that it almost seems like they were working with Elon Musk engineers to ensure your testes are as safe as possible. Uh, the lawnmower 4.0 is a, is a new function, multi-function on-off switch, uh, which can engage a travel lock. Uh, doesn't the buzzing that's in your backpack or whatever, all that kind of stuff that, that, you know, takes that out. Uh, the led spotlight for a more precise shave, the new trimmer lot, you can customize your trim uh, you, and it looks unbelievable. Um, so there's a lot more advantages with this one. You got the stamped black chrome manscaped logo. It looks unbelievable. Functions unbelievable. It's terrific stuff. Uh, that wireless charging system, super convenient as well. So yeah, I appreciate that about the 4.0, um, get 20% off plus free shipping from Manscaped. Plus free shipping, 20% off. Promo code is Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Father's Day coming up. Lots of things coming up on the agenda. And so that's a great opportunity to help yourself out, man, and, and tell somebody, hey, this is what I want. Like, this is this is some good stuff over here. Use this promo, you know, just slide it over, just send a text to the wife or whatever and be like, hey, you know, this is what's up. So uh, 20% off free shipping, Pewter, Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. I know Pat uh, McAfee had a little bit of trouble spelling pewter the other day on a show when he was talking about the pewter report podcast p-e-w-d if you haven't seen that clip go over it is hilarious he said i thought somebody's name over there was pute <laughs> aj ox like it's a color man pewter is a color he's like i had no idea it was a color <laughs> thought somebody's name over there was pute you can call scott pute by the way if you'd like to now when he joins rejoins the show scott has some voice today by the way i'll let everyone know his voice is back a little bit today. Um, so be happy about that for Scott. I talked to him today. Uh, it was good to hear him kind of climbing out of the depths of the of the, of the sickness there. Um, and he'll be back. He plans to be back on the show Monday. He should be out actually at practice on Tuesday. We'll have OTAs uh, this upcoming week. 
Uh, there'll be OTAs. They'll be out. The team will be out on the field Tuesday, and they'll be out on the field the Tuesday after that, which I believe is June 1st. I think Scott and Mark will be there this upcoming Tuesday, and then I will be there June 1st with one of the Wonder Twins maybe um, and that day. Not totally sure yet, um, but we'll have your OTAs covered for you over at Peter Report at Peter Report on Twitter. Obviously, at PeterReport.com as well. Um, plenty of good stuff coming up there. Um, so we'll have OTAs covered. And then obviously mini camp is coming up uh, the 7th through the 9th, I believe in June. So we'll have that covered as well. Last thing I want to touch on today over at pewterreport.com. I wrote a story about behind the scenes of the Bucks drafting Joe Tryon. I think there's some really cool stuff in that story. Bruce Arians gave us some unbelievable insight into that day and what it was like and what their thought process was and how they had really hoped Tryon would be there. And I don't think Bruce is giving us lip service. I know because we we talked behind the scenes to people too. They really like Joe Tryon. I mean, they turned in their card in 30 seconds. So most of you probably, I'm not telling you something you don't already know, but they really like Joe Tryon. They were thrilled that he was on the board. Bruce said he knew that teams ahead of them were taking edge defenders. And he's right. Three of the four teams ahead of him did take one. They were so pumped that nobody took Tryon, and I think it's a guy that they really, really wanted, and they were hoping to get. He did mention there were two other players that uh, that they had uh, their eye on there um, at that spot. I think I know who those two players are, um, but not totally positive. I, I think Travis Etienne was one of them. Um, I think maybe Kadarius Tony was another one, and so maybe they were looking at adding a little bit of splash and sizzle and a guy who could make an impact on the return game. Obviously, and Tony, maybe that's what they were hoping for. That spot, uh, another you know kind of player in that role. Again, that would have been a crowded backfield. Well, we I wonder what would have changed, but maybe with those two players, I think uh, I heard some whispers that maybe those were guys that they liked. So we'll see. But I think that either way, it was interesting that they were pretty much what Bruce was saying, and you can read the article and check out his exact quotes, but. Um, they really wanted to kind of stay put there. Uh, they didn't feel like trading back would give them enough value because the roster's too loaded. And I think that affected them in every round. You know, it was like, oh, trade back. And in a normal year, it sounded like they probably would have. But with the Bucks roster the way that it is, um, man, I just don't think they wanted to move uh, out of that spot because they add another pick. You know, and then I think at that point it becomes, how's this guy going to even make our team? And, and Bruce kind of talked about that. So something to think about when you're thinking about who they wanted to take at each spot um, you know, that trading back maybe wasn't on the table as much as it was uh, other years. Was not was not Tevin Jenkins for sure, Ren. I can tell you that. Tevin Jenkins not on the Bucks' radar in the first round for sure. Um, so I think they were looking to some splash and some sizzle. Um, so we'll see. But all right, that'll do it for us for this week on the Pewter Report podcast. Next week, got a full slate of shows for you again. We're back in the normal time slots. Still going to be bringing you great guests and communication with a couple of people right now to nail down uh, for next week on the show. Obviously, been a great show, great week on the Pewter Report podcast. If you haven't, if you're just tuning in, you're like, what is this? What is this guy talking about? Why are there construction uh, trucks right outside of his window? Um, well, I won't get into the construction trucks right now, but I will say this. If you go back and listen to this week's episodes of the Pewter Report podcast, we had a rookie uh, OTA, uh, a rookie minicamp takeaways on Monday. Uh, So some great questions and good observation and fun stuff in there. Um, On Tuesday, we had Bruce Arians on the podcast. Very insightful interview with him. He was gracious with his time. Lots of great stuff coming out of that interview. Um, Then Wednesday, last yesterday, we talked to Marcus Mosher uh, covering the Dallas Cowboys, a host of Locked On Cowboys. He gave us a lot of insight into that week one matchup, the Cowboys, that defense, why he expects it to be rocky, why he thinks the offense can be really, really dangerous. Lots of good stuff with him. And then obviously today with Mike Clay, if you're catching, go back to the beginning of the show and you can catch Mike Clay. Uh, and you can uh, hear what he has to say about the Bucks and his projections for this upcoming season. Really, really fun stuff. So for all of us over at Pewter Report, we appreciate y'all, and we'll catch y'all again next week on another edition of Pewter Report Podcast. Out!